Podcast live with Willie and Terrell. We have a big group tonight. We got Anthony Rogers Wright, we got Stuart Knight, and we got Yusef Kafele here with us tonight to talk about reparations. And the question of the day is should America pay reparations to black folks? Why or why not? But before we get started, I want everyone to introduce, give a brief introduction of themselves and then we'll hop into the topic. I'm Yusuf Kafele. I'm primarily self-taught on African studies, uh, reparations being one of them. We're talking about wholeheartedly think that is a bedrock issue of us as African people, so I look forward to dealing with the subject here today. Hey, yeah, my name is uh, Stuart Knight. I'm an author and a uh, structural worker, as you can see. And uh, <laughs> yes, and I believe that uh, not only the American government, but most of the corporations uh, in this society do owe black people reparations. And that's something we're going to get. Um, Anthony Rogers Wright, uh, National Climate Justice and Racial Justice Organizer and Policy Advocate. And I agree with the brothers. Um, the United States of America does owe um, uh, Africans living in the diaspora uh, um, reparations, as well as indigenous people restitution for broken treaties, brutal land theft, and uh, concentrated genocide. Yes. I agree with all y'all. I think America should pay reparations to black folks because slavery is the number one, and then everything that came after slavery, no matter if it was Jim Crow, mass incarceration, the new Jim Crow, like everything that has gone on since they decided to travel over to Africa and enslave our people, they owe for that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean that that just goes without saying. Um, not just you know, um, people are resources, right? And Africa was obviously pillaged. So, a lot of the benefits that uh, whether it's white folk in the United States of America or all white folk throughout Europe, I mean, they're living that life based off of the labor and the resources of the African continent. And um, they've never uh, those those uh, people have never been paid back for free labor, and we can't all we, we must also not forget the forced fecundity of black women um, under slavery as well, right? Like holding a child is labor, you know, going into labor we call it going into labor is also labor. So there, there there's a lot of money owed for the building of this country, as well as the uh, resources uh, taken from the African continent, and the uh, um, the hell that was that's been left through um, um, present day colonization. Um, whether it's the UN in 2014 who came out with a report saying that the United States owe um, African Americans and Africans living in the diaspora reparations, not just for slavery, but for um, many of the draconian uh, policies that were enacted under the FDR New Deal, including redlining, um, and, and just uh, being um, left out of the process of what was basically affirmative action for white people, as well as the uh, continuation of white terrorism that has uh, uh, persisted throughout the years. 
Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess let me kick on in here. Then. Yes, sir. Uh, whatever, uh, everything that Anthony here said was just correct, but I like to add that um, we got to be a lot real specific mm. about who we're talking about, who owns <clears throat> uh, black people in America, the uh, funds and resources that were taken away from us during shadow, not only during shadow slavery, but thereafter up until this very day. Mm. You know, when you say America, that's a little vague. You need to really speak clearly and say white people <laughs> because their ancestors today benefit from the systems that they put forth to actually, uh, how should I say, uh, codify mm. black skin being synonymous with slavery. Mm -hmm. And not only that, individually, many whites, maybe not all, but many whites, daily practice mm -hmm. that system that was set up so long ago to inhibit many of black people in their advancement and their economic stability to this very day. Mm -hmm. So we have to be very clear about who owes, not white people in general, and also insurance companies, mm -hmm. uh, steel companies, forestry companies, many of the um, banking industries who um, earned interest from the sale of slaves. You know, many things, many things. We have to really put forth true, concise wording when we say we want reparations for what was taken away from us. Boy, you might get a brother. Yeah, 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 we okay. We can share this. That's what reparations ought to be going to be about for us is African people sharing things. Because I look at reparations from a two point perspective, and I'm going to split some of the words that we've already mentioned. Uh, one of the things about reparation is that I think the primary crux of reparation for us is not really about money. Mm -hmm. See, when you get caught up in the money, that's where you, you get lost at. But believe me, you. It is about money owed to us. But mm -hmm. the real crux of reparation is about what is owed to our ancestors, the debt that we owe to our ancestors. Because we, because I am, because what? We are. Mm -hmm. And we are because of our ancestors. That, that same blood, ancestral blood, is running through all of us right now. So we resurrect our ancestors by redeeming their name through mm -hmm. gaining the rights that we have as reparation. But also there's a twofold point of reparation, and I'm gonna split hairs with the American and the people, because ultimately, when you talk about reparation, you're talking about a governmental system that wrongs us as a people that have to pay some type of remuneration or some type of compensation to us as a people for those 250 plus years. And you would think after 250 years of enslavement, 90 years of Jim Crowism and segregationism, mm -hmm. and over 45 years of mass incarceration, you would think that this wouldn't even be an issue by now. That's right. But see, one of the crux of my, uh, now here we go back to splitting the hairs. Now, when I say I'm splitting the hairs, I'm not saying you're wrong. Only thing I'm just saying is I'm adding another view to it because it is about white people. Now, the first one I'm talking about is the governmental system, mm -hmm. the government owes us. Now, here's the crux of it right here. Now, let's ask this question here. I'm going to slow it down some. I'm going to bust it dead in the head right here. I got more to say on the issue. I got a whole lot to say on the issue. But right now, I'm kind of I'm going to give you my ending right now because I, for some reason I can't hold my ending. Ask yourself this question. Now, this, now here's where you come back in at now, being white people. Now, I'm going to throw it on white people because now it is about white people now. You think 
if the majority government here in North America, I'm going to be real Pacific, North America, because there's North, South, and Central America, mm -hmm. and there's also the World African Community, and really, we're old reparations throughout the World African Community. It's not right. just here in North America. That's right. You know, we're going to be real Pacific here. So the World African Community of people of, of, of African descent is old at reparation. But now back to the question. Do you think if the majority government here in North America was African, do you think we would have reparations? See, now, if when you pose that question, and the answer to most of us should obviously be what? No. No. Huh? No? Oh, yeah. If the majority of voting, if voting now, oh, God, I guess it's over with <laughs> If the majority of government here in North America was African people, black people, yeah, do you yeah. think we would have reparations? Yeah. I would want to say, yeah. You think we would not? How would we do No, that? no. Okay, no. go ahead. I, I, I would want to say no because when I look at like places like South Africa, where where apartheid ended in the 90s, but when you look at South Africa, it, it really hasn't ended. <clears throat> like, black people are still oppressed in South Africa by a black government. So, I don't think we, I, I'm not sure if we would. But see, then you're talking about two, see, here's here's where we have to also be careful sometimes, because that's, that's not really, it seems like it's comparing apples to apples, but it's kind of like apples to oranges, in the sense of this. Colonialism wasn't much different from enslavement, chattel enslavement. Mm -hmm. But yet it was a difference because it was more, more like an enslavement on someone's hometown, home turf. Therefore, we were able to keep a lot of our cultural perspectives in, in, in place. But when you talk about South Africa particularly, that whole situation was a sellout situation the way the government was transformed to begin with. See, it's it, because it should have been some type of it should have been some type of force. It should have sort of been how uh, Brother Mugabe did uh, with his government. See, in Zaire, in Zaire, it's similar to it, similar to it. Now, now I'm not. I'm talking about fathers, the the property, uh, the, the 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 beers, the Oppenheimers, and all of them. They should have been paying through the neck in South Africa. Oh yeah. See, and that's what I'm saying. And that says not not the atrocities and all those committed against your own people. So now, if you look at the way that enslavement went here in, in North America for us, now I'm talking about our mindset. Not so much the mindset of the sisters and brothers on the continent. Because the whole process of Africanization deal with getting the sisters and brothers' minds on the continent right, as well as getting the brothers and sisters' minds on this in, in, in North America right. So we have a different mentality in some respects. Sure, we share African unity with our kin, uh, skin and some culture. Now, our mindset, us here, if majority, majority of government here in North America was black, do you think we would have reparations? Well, I mean, that, that's a that's a weird. <laughs> You know, hypothetical. Uh, uh, you know, you know, question because um, let, let, let's be clear that that on the African continent there wasn't this. I mean, there was slavery, but but sleep, there wasn't chattel slavery, right? Um, and, and 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 therefore, I, I would have to say um, yes in in the sense that that African people who were who were under the original um, uh, uh, religions of Islam. And, and their traditional religions were always about restitution. Even when the Prophet Muhammad, you know, took over uh, 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 territories, it wasn't about enslaving people and oppressing them. And there was restitution offered, you know, to, uh, which is why Islam spread so uh, 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 naturally in Africa versus Christianity, which was more forced, right? So I always joke around and say that the the smartest thing that the white man ever did 
was give the black person Christianity because that's on that forgiving you know type of stuff like is where Islam is like overthrow your oppressor right <clears throat> giving the, the 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 black man Christianity was a part of the oppression was a part of the colonization of the mind as well as the coloniz colonization of the body so I, I don't know that, that that that's like the best question I mean I think the the best question right now is how do we get more white people to understand that reparations is not just a transactional idea, but it, it is a it is a, a imperative and requisite process in spiritual healing of this very broken and tormented nation, which is why you see um, amazing sisters like Marianne Williamson, who is running for president right now, running on a platform of reparations, not just as a transactional thing, but like this is required for the unmitigated um, sin of this country of racial healing as it pertains to indigenous folk and as it pertains to black folk. And, and so it, it's not just about like, oh, white people have to do without in order to do right. It's just what is right. We will never get to a point of actual racial healing in this country until we deal with that. Because we have seen uh, uh, reparations for our Jewish sisters and brothers still do as it pertains to what happened with the Holocaust. We've seen reparations to Japanese people who were held in, in internment camps, but we have never seen. And, and it's really funny, right? You see with like white progressives many times, Medicare for all. Yeah, spend all the money you need to get Medicare for all. $15 minimum wage. Spend all the money you need to get that. Uh, uh, free college tuition. Spend all the money you need for that. But as soon as you talk about reparations, how are we going to pay for it? Okay. Okay, brother. Let me, let me just come back in. Maybe you can and Right. Okay. Let me let me come back because because uh, there's a point I was trying to follow with. There's some layers to it. To ask that to pose the question, if you think the majority of government here in uh, North America was black, would we have reparations? It's really it's a, it's kind of a, one of those trick critical critical questions because it's actually just like asking us in this room: if we were on the government board, would we deny ourselves reparations? No. Okay. See, see. Well, I mean, it, it, it depends. It depends no. on right the, here. No, right now, no, no, we're gonna we gonna be real specific right now. Would, would I deny us reparation? No. Would anyone on this board right now deny us reparation? We're sitting on the board that that had the power to give us reparation. Uh, we got some people in city no. council and in the county well, commission who I don't know. I'm being real specific. Right, sitting right here on oh, this right? panel. Yes. Yes. Okay. Is there anybody on the panel who would deny us reparation? Okay, that's what the question imposed. Okay, now, but, but that's not that's only part of it. The real crux of it is to say to coming back to the government of the the, the, the concept of uh, uh, America versus white people. But what I'm what I'm actually posing is that when you really look at reparation, it's really not so much about a governmental system that have to give us some type of compensation. It's about white people and their white supremacy. The height of white supremacy is not to deny us reparation, because reparation ultimately represent one of the ultimate battles for us as African people, because as long as you deny us reparation, you can still say we're pre-filled human beings. As long as you deny us reparation, you can still say we are the standard. As long as you deny us reparation, you can still hold that power over it. Reparation is akin to the concept, like remember many years ago? Yeah, until Barack Obama? What we used to say, man, he had never let a black man in the White House. Remember how that seemed like such an impossibility to us? So, so to some degree, reparations seem like such a degree of impossibility to us. 
So it's not about, that's why the white folks, a lot of them in government now, they say, well, we didn't enslave you. We didn't do this to you. So they make it personal about them right now instead of about a government system that owed us compensation. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it's the height of white supremacy because it's not because the government, a system that's ran by people, won't give us the money. It's because the people that run the government system won't give us the money. Because remember, we talk about systems and government, but there are faces with this system in government. The majority of faces and system with this, with this, the majority of faces with this system of white people. So therefore ultimate denial or reparation from a governmental system is the height of white supremacy. No doubt. Stuart? <clears throat> the key thing is when you said um, uh, if, if this this government here, you speak about the American government, right? When you say if this, if this government here was primarily run mostly by African people, would reparations be denied? You're speaking about the American government, correct? We go to the U.S. House, Senate, and all that. I'm, I'm not going to go all the way across the board because all the way across the board, would be no need. It's hypothetical. There's, there's. Now, see, that would depend upon the mindset of the people who was in that government. Across this country, you have plenty of municipalities who are that are primarily ran by black or African individuals who still do the bidding of white supremacy. Yes, yes. So we, as a people, we have to first concentrate on getting our minds. Yes. Right. As far as understanding what went into making the African into a slave, mm. we first have to know that. So that way, when we pose that argument to the powers who may have to pay reparations, like I said, it is concise and firm and across a, a broad spectrum of people. The argument always remains the same. You know, not too many hypotheticals. You know, you can say, you know, in 1660, you know, race-based slavery was initiated for the simple fact that black people could not run, they could not hide, and they had no land or country to claim them at that time, so they said. So from there, they said, because you had black skin, whether you was Christian or not, because before some Africans, you know, could get out of slavery or indentured servitude at that time, if they claimed that they was Christian, because many Africans had been converted by missionaries in Africa prior to the shadow slavery of America. Okay, so once it became race-based slavery, from that point on, we as a people have to really understand how white supremacy and white people constructed ideals mm -hmm. and scientific, how they mm -hmm. today, scientific mm -hmm. racism, mm -hmm. in a sense, to um, marginalize and make small and dehumanize actually dehumanize. black people, you know, so as to make themselves feel comfortable enslaving. That's right. You know, so we have to really put forth that argument as people. I mean, because even up to, to this day, you like I said, you can have plenty of black people in government, plenty, plenty of black people in offices that can move something, and they will still do the bidding of That's their right. white masters. Real, real, real quick to this point, I'm sorry, Brother Terrell. Um, that is that is real real important what you said because we we have this myopic idea that all we have to do is get more black people in government but we have to get black people in government who are actually fighting for their people we have seen unfortunately too many bootlickers especially at the local level especially at the local level who are all in it for themselves 
rather than for the edification of, of, of black people in their community. And that and they also espouse this idea of like, don't ask for reparations. That's going too far, which is the same bootlickers who were telling Martin Luther King and Sokol Carmichael and Ella Baker and Ida B. Wells that they were going too far, you know, in the original civil rights epoch. And so it's it's incumbent upon us to make sure that we are making famous and then removing from power any black people who would impose limitations based on white supremacy, because uh, white people aren't the only people who uphold white supremacy. There are plenty of black people in government, not just Ben Carson, who are upholding white supremacy. I'm not gonna say any names. There are plenty of people right here in Omaha and in Douglas County who are upholding white supremacy with uh, backing um, um, juvenile detention centers instead of backing food hubs and better education and areas for just black people to congregate and have conversations that we're having right now. Why are uh, uh, Willie and Terrell having to uh, fight for funding for the, the amazing work that uh, uh, Black Men United do, that's because that we do have some uh, bootlickers who are black bootlickers who are in power that are beholden to Warren Buffett and, and that ilk rather than the, than their own people. And, and Warren Buffett and his ilk are never going to um, uh, 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 back reparations because they understand that black liberation is tied specifically in the evisceration of whiteness. Not necessarily white supremacy, but whiteness. That wage that was given even to poor black uh, white people to make themselves feel a little bit better than black people and separate um, um, the, the working class and poor people altogether. So I, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, and that's, that, that's one thing that's really not understood by many of us as a people is that at the outset of the establishment of whiteness, mm -hmm. as you said, mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 the planners in Virginia, you know, they said, well, let's create this two-tier system where the black is a slave and then the poor white people, they get some crumbs and get some benefits. Right. And those poor white folks, today they call them working class whites, <laughs> they get some benefits, you know, like to uphold that system at, and keep that buffer. That's right. So as, you know, so as that blacks stay down, and not, and not in a sense just stay down, but are always producing money for the entire system. Mm -hmm. They are always being exploited to make sure that they are always being exploited. That's right whether or not you can pay your rent and then have to end up going out doing some kind of crime and end up going to jail or, you know, you got to, you know, you got to work three or four jobs, you know, just to make ends meet, That's right. you know, or you go to school and you, you get yourself wallowed in debt, you know, and then you got to come out and work at Burger King and something like that, you, you know, because some white person at this job, you know, at this corporate company or corporation has the power and ability to say, no, I'm denying you. And I'm going to give that opportunity to this person here simply because they look like me, you know. So I got a question, and this came up last week when we were talking about reparations with Dell. Is reparations, should, well, I guess should reparations be at the top of our list? Because I think what should be at the top of our list, and just even listening to y'all, either should be mass incarceration or finding a way to reshape our minds before we even get reparations. Yeah, uh, the fact you you brought me right back to where I wanted to be, uh, uh, because the example I used was only meant to be a small example, but the, what they followed up with was the other part of my twofold poem dealing with reparations. The concept of reparation of what the was owed to us by the government, yes, but I think actually reparation is a bedrock issue but it is only part of a larger issue for me, mm -hmm. for African people. Mm -hmm. 
Now, as I said in the beginning, I'm primarily self-taught. I spent more than over 30 years reading and studying the issues about us as African people. And when I say African people, advisedly, I'm also meaning black as well. So I think in terms of the world African community. So in terms of the world African community, is that's, that, that's not excluding where we, at, where we are at now. We need a system for self that teaches us the process of Africanization. That's what we were talking about when he's talked about, yes, you've got sisters and brothers in government, but at the same time, if they don't have an Afrocentric mind, a mind that's based in Africanness, and they, in other, any other than that, they think from a Eurocentric perspective. And so long as you've got a brother or sister that's thinking from a Eurocentric perspective, they're only black and skin only. See, but once we create a system for self that deals with the process of Africanization, then we have to be re-Africanized <laughs> as a people, not just here in North America, but throughout the world African community. In other words, instead of diaspora, you use them both, diaspora and world African community. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's part of what we have to do. Now through this system for self, this is where we have to, uh, we have to revamp and reshape the whole family structure. Because we know what the proverb says. It says the ruin of a nation began where? In the homes of its people. See, so this is where, in my mind, our number one process would be. We have to, because one, we have to get back to black in the sense that we have to get back to the very basis where African people, we again learn to love and respect each other. I remember just 25 plus years ago, you can walk down the street and have a sister brother. You say, what's happening? Hey, what's happening? Now you walk down the street and have a sister brother. You say, what's happening? Give you a look like, who are you? See, and that's a fundamental cultural, social change right there. So once we create a system for sale that's, that's created with tears in it, that, that we go through these different stages and from, 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 from butter the duck to knee high to grown folks. And, this, and then there's a systematic approach to our Africanizing ourselves. Part of that systematic approach to Africanizing ourselves is where reparation being there. I'm gonna say this and pass it on. Part of this systematic structure, every African household must have a library, an Afrocentric library. Part of this systematic structure, every African household must have a trade or profession. Part of this African, uh, Africanizing system, must, uh, every African family must be committed to a cause. Pick some cause that deals with lifting us up, up as African people, research that cause, commit yourself that cause, go to the organization dealing with that cause, etc. But reparation is the universal cause that all African people throughout the world African community should be committed to as part of the process of Africanization. Not the Africanization, but only as part of Africanizing ourselves. I mean, I, I mean, Brother Troy, I would just say that um, it's not either or, right? No. <clears throat> and it's not, it, it's and, and in addition to. Right. Um, everything you're talking about is absolutely correct. Mass incarceration, New Jim Crow, um, segregated um, education system, um, <clears throat> um, de-investment, in public education in our communities to the point where we're either waiting to be killed off or gentrified, that's all very, very important. I think that also has to happen in addition to reparations. And I think that we can do both. Black people, especially in this country, have shown that we can walk and chew gum at, at the same time. So when I see, um, finally, at, you know, most presidential candidates finally endorsing or embracing House Resolution 40, which was uh, introduced by uh, former Representative John Conyers in 1989, which was just a study in a commission to study what reparations could look like in this country. That doesn't mean that while we're doing that study that we stop um, investing in our communities, specifically 
um, and 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 uh, overcoming harms that were caused by uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the white supremacist who who who, who uh, caved to white supremacy with his New Deal that everybody heralds, but for black people it was the same raw deal and whatnot. Overcoming that. Um, is a process of reparations, but um, yes, um, we, we also address all those things having to do with food sovereignty, the climate crisis, which is disproportionately impacting our people, our people uh, being exposed to toxic air by that um, uh, 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 coal-fired power plant right here in, in, in North Omaha. That all needs to happen, but we should not allow, especially white progressives and the Democratic Party, when we are talking specifically about reparations, to come at us with John, uh, um, uh, uh, James Clyburn's 10, 20, 30 plan. That's nice, and that's important, but that is not reparations. Reparations is about spiritual healing and about repairing some things that, will, that are irreparable for free labor, forced fecundity of, uh, of black women, um, and, and restitution to indigenous people for broken treaties, brutal land theft, and genocide. Um, if Germany can do it, Germany is still doing it. I, I think they sent Israel uh, uh, to the uh, uh, amount of uh, maybe $4 billion a year for what they did. We need to do that same thing in this country, and we can start with H.R. 40. And the last thing I'm going to end off with, and I know this is going to be a little controversial, is we need every Democratic Party the national level, at the state level, and the local level, um, instituting resolutions that they support. House Resolution 40, which has now been picked up by Representative Sheila Jackson Lee out of Texas, so that black and brown candidates who do run on a, a platform of reparations feel like they're not going to be left behind by their state, local, and national party. It's an, I issue a challenge to the uh, uh, Nebraska Democratic Party, to the Douglas Democratic Party, to pass a resolution right now saying that they absolutely support res, uh, res, uh, uh, reparations and restitution for indigenous people. Because um, what you're talking about is important, but but separate from the idea of reparations. Another, another part to my question is, do we think white people and white America is ready to admit for their past sins and put it on the table? Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and no, and they never, they never will, and they will fight to the very end, perhaps with violence, to make sure that black people do not get reparations. That's right. But that doesn't mean that we don't uh, call for it and demand it. But you know, to simply, to simply put, you know, reparations should be at the top of the agenda, along with some other issues. The primary thing is cut the check. You cut the check, you're going to end a lot of those problems that cause mass incarceration, mm -hmm. that may cause uh, so-called police brutality, mm -hmm. you know. It may not end that, it might increase that, actually, <laughs> but, you know, maybe some brothers will be smart enough, you know, not to uh, be out there in the streets late at night because you know they got some money now. True enough, you know, in these days and times, most of our people's minds are not right enough to get that big check, and they will go out and um, spend it frivolously, still making white people rich. Mm -hmm. That's gonna happen, mm -hmm. you know. But considering the climate today, that so many uh, brothers and sisters are becoming conscious, more conscious, uh, the chances are that if that check was cut. The majority of black people are going to use that money wisely to actually procure generational wealth for themselves and their families, especially their families and their kids, by either sending their kids off to schools, 
uh, buying homes or uh, investing in um, stocks, bonds, and businesses and things like that. So the primary thing is cut the check. You know, they know that they owe. You know, you had, like like they said, you know, you had, you know, things like black people's homes and farms being stolen, you know, during uh, the time of Jim Crow and, uh, and the concept of sundown towns. I don't know if anybody's here has read that book, Sundown Towns. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and how so many black people, you know, lost economic viability and wealth simply because some white folks said we don't want no you know, we don't want no black folks in this town. Or how you had convict leasing, you know, mm. when, um, you know, uh, they, they created, yeah, peonage, peonage, you know, <clears throat> when they uh, created, where they created uh, uh, vagabond laws, you know, mm. to, you know, if you're standing outside looking like you ain't doing nothing, you're black, you get locked up, you know. Free labor, more free labor. Yeah, more free labor, you know, and, and redlining, mm. you know, that redlining. we all know about. They know that they Absolutely. Know. How do we, how do we get the check? And not make the mistakes like we did after we got the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act. How do we get get well, the check I mean, that's, that's, and that's, not drop the ball again? Well, that's I mean that's gonna, that's going to take black people to get wise wise of it. You know, you have to actually really study how white supremacy functions within your own mind and 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 in your own behaviors and perceptions, so that you know you know that you know these are some of the things I got to you know change. I can't you know I can't just go out there and get what I want. I just can't do what I want to do because, you know, I have the stipulation of black skin, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm a target, you know. You got to know that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you got to know that, you know, if you're a black person, you know, it's meant for you to fail. You know, it's meant for you to be hamstrung in a sense. So you got to actually be cognizant every day, every hour, every minute of your choices mm -hmm. because some of those choices could actually lead to your very detriment. Real, real quick to that. I mean, yeah. we vote more with our purchases than we do in the in the vote in the ballot box, right? right? So, I mean, <clears throat> whether it's Brother Willie talking about a community cooperative for not just food access, but food sovereignty, right? We're producing our own food, we're growing our own food, investing in, in that type of thing, you know, uh, before there was an NAACP and uh, funders and foundations, there were mutual aid societies. And they were the ones that, that allowed for black liberation groups of that time to continue functioning and to drive people through, through the South and get them um, housing and, and shelter and whatnot. So we have to like return back to that and get out of an individualist, white supremacist mindset. That white supremacy makes us think that we're all individuals. And as long as I'm doing better than my neighbor, that's okay. Uh, we have to go back to that mutual aid idea of cooperation instead of competition. So when we get those checks, you know, it would be incumbent upon us as black folks to be like, yo, we just got 50, 100, $150,000. 20% of that, or 10 or 15% of that is gonna go into a fund that is dedicated to the edification of black people in black communities so we don't allow Creighton to gentrify North Omaha like Columbia University just gentrified Harlem. Because that's, that's, that's the plan. That's the plan. Willie said it. You know what I mean? Like, this community right here in North Omaha, capitalism dictates that <clears throat> this is the best community to start investing in. 
you know? And where are black people gonna go? We're gonna go to Council Bluffs or Des Moines? We're not going to Des Moines. You know, so that's what we should be putting some of that money to is into a fund that creates land trusts for long-term power building because basically that's what the New Deal was under FDR. It was affirmative action for generational wealth for white people, which is why, I mean, you see to this day it benefited white people. They're the ones who uh, 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 inherit money from the houses that their parents own. We have to do that with all the checks that are cut to us now, you know what I'm saying, so that we are in control of our own destinies, our own food, the food that we produce. Um, and, and, and another thing I'm gonna have to say is a little controversial, but uh, we, we're gonna have to ask our black church to also come correct a little bit more because they have much money and it hasn't necessarily been being redistributed um, in their community. If your uh, preacher is driving like a Cadillac or, or a Rolls Royce while his parishioners are driving uh, Yugos and Pontiacs, uh, broken down Pontiacs and Hondas, that's wrong. And that has to do with that white supremacy mentality that the brother was just talking about. Yeah, so, God don't like no ugly. God don't, <laughs> God don't like no ugly. Right, so, 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 so as black people, not depend on this Democratic Party that just uses you as pawns you know, on their chessboard, and not definitely not depend on this Republican Party. We've got to depend on each other and use that money for our own edification and, and this has been shown by many immigrant communities, including our Jewish sisters and brothers who came here and stuck together and built themselves up to the point where they did become somewhat of an economic powerhouse. Italians, Irish, Russians, etc. We have to do that as black people and, 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 and bifurcate ourselves from this idea that we're gonna listen to uh, political parties that only care about our votes two and every four years, but don't care about our edification and don't care about our upliftment every day, as, as this brother was saying, every day, every week, every second, every hour, thinking about how we're going to um, use the money that's owed to us to increase the power, long-term power of, of, of uh, black people. Now I get to touch that, you want yes. to go, go back? <clears throat> no, you can go. Okay, well, I need to make a short thing. Okay, uh, one of the things uh, that we all pretty much uh, have conceded in agreement to without saying is that the concept of reparation is a protracted struggle. We know it's a long battle. We know it's something that's not gonna happen overnight. Mm -hmm. That's why I say it has to be part of the process of Africanization, why we do other things as well. But one of the things that this is, is also reason that we need the reparation is for, when you look at the over 250 years of free labor from enslavement, you look at the 90 years plus of segregation Jim Crowism, and you look at the over 45 years of mass incarceration, these, is, these times are based upon social, so, sociological, psychological damage done to us as a, as a people. So when you look at what I would say is the psychological uh, residue, no, I wouldn't even say residue. When you look at the psychological incrustation, in other words, meaning the layers and layers of the things that have been done to us psychologically as, as a people, to where we see Europeans, white peoples as the standard, where we see them as the savior, and all of these different psychological markers that we have as a people where our sisters don't want to look like themselves, our brothers don't want to sound like themselves, et cetera, because we got, we're, we're so messed up in the mind because we have ultimately learned to praise whiteness to deny ourselves. So a lot of the, the money and things that we get for reparation are also to heal those things. And, there, and this is not just done in a the vacuum. There's been many of groups out there already working with the, the 
uh, reparations. So what to do with the money? How are we gonna get the money? They got plenty of groups out there. You go read a uh, Randall Robinson book, The Debt. You go read uh, Eric Wendell, Capitalism versus Enslavement. You go look at uh, Doctor, uh, look at John Henry Clark, uh, uh, African World Revolution. Uh, and go look at Man and Marble, how capitalism under under developed. Uh, uh, black America, go look at uh, Walter Rodney's How Europe Underdeveloped Africa. And these books here would give us a greater understanding of the concept, which any of us can go to the African American bookstore and get these books. So, this is a long, protracted struggle, but that's why I say it has to be part of a process of Africanization. Because ultimately, what we have to do is have an African collective mindset, because the fight for reparations is a collective battle. This ain't an individual battle. Right. So as a collective people, we have to have a systematic way in which we say, this is African thought. This is what we cherish. This is what we hold. This is what we live by. These principles and values are African, Afrocentric or Europic values. And once we get that mindset, because without the mindset, you're right. When we get the check, well, we will blow it. Because and, 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 and directly to your, your question, I let it go right here. Is it really doesn't matter at this point in history whether or not white folks are ready to give us reparation. Because with the collective mindset after a protracted battle, we will be in a position to demand reparation. We can't do that now. See, just like they weren't and they weren't ready to give us they weren't ready to get rid of segregation. They weren't ready to, to stop uh, making us go to the back of the buses. They weren't ready to give us civil rights. They weren't ready to give us any of those things. But when we put ourselves in a position to fight for self, to gain those rights, as well as other people's helping along the way too, I give them some credit. But but ultimately, it's, it's our thrust that get those things done. So ultimately, when it comes to reparation, ain't because some some candidate out there campaigning on the issue of reparation now. Uh, uh, just just again, just trying to uh, use the users for the black vote. But we're gonna get reparation because as a collective people, it's gonna be part of our social consciousness to where we fight daily, monthly, yearly for the concept of reparation. We were well educated on the issues. So that's what we need to do: spend time educating ourselves on the issues and who wrote what, who said what. Because like I said, you got the you got the National African American Commission for Reparation. They're one of the biggest groups out there. Look them up on the internet, and you'll find some information. You're talking about about and Cobra, uh, and a National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America. And Cobra. Uh, and Cobra. I know who. You, uh, and Cobra is, is a different group. Okay. Okay. I, I, I should have mentioned them first, though, because actually I was up on them before I got up on the other group. Yeah. Yeah. The other group. They're they're just as strong. Cause I think they're at a. D.C., Maryland, so they're on the East Coast. But nevertheless, that we, that's what we need to do. See, I, I throw one out there, you throw one. That's, that's what I mean. See, we need to educate ourselves on the issue, and therefore this is just not some type of happenstance or some type of what we call serendipity. It just falls out there, airing out the sky all of a sudden, you know, everybody's talking about reparation. No, this is an old issue. That's right. That's right. No, brother, I just want to say real quick, that's very important. Like, a lot of people think that this is like... Thanos getting all the infinity stones and snapping his fingers and all of a sudden we're talking about reparations. John Conyers introduced H.R. 40 in 1989, working with groups like Cobra and I'm sure the group that you talked right. about. This is not, you know, a, a, a new issue. It's, it's like, as right. you said, that there are some candidates that are trying to use this as an issue to galvanize the, the, the black vote for like one election rather than a long-term strategy. Right. And, I mean, and, and I do want to say at the same time, I want to give a lot of props to Elizabeth Warren. Mm -hmm. I want to give a lot of props to Julian Castro, yeah. Latinx brother, yeah. who straight up said, uh, we compensate. The Fifth Amendment says that uh, uh, private property will not take, be taken for public use without just compensation. And Julian Castro said, if we're going to compensate people for losing property, shouldn't we compensate people who were property? Mm -hmm. That was gangster. 
And then Marianne Williamson, who said this is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual crisis, um, this issue of racial injustice in the United States of America. So I want to, I do want to give them props, right. but I also want to make sure that, that we're always upholding our elders, the, the people who've gotten yeah. us to this point, yeah. um, um, who weren't asking about this, who weren't being accommodationists, who weren't falling into Booker Tism of sort of like saying, wait a little bit while longer, wait a little bit while, uh, while longer, that, that uh, this, this issue has been on the forefront for as long as some of the new Congress people have been alive and, and longer than some of them have been alive. And we have to understand that, um, you know, for some reason, whether it's this idea of identity politics, right, the only time identity politics is decreed is when we're talking about black liberation. You can talk about white women getting uh, 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 equal pay for equal work. That's not identity politics. Or rural, the Democrats have to focus more on rural people. That's not identity politics. But as soon as you bring up black liberation, stop playing the identity politics card. And that's why Sister Stacey Abrams... Yeah, code switch, exactly. Obfuscation and, and misdirection and whatnot. But reparations is here. We're going to keep talking about it. And, and we also have to teach, as you were saying, brother, our, educate our black people. Because there's still plenty of black people who are like, oh, we're not ready for that yet. We don't want to ruffle the feathers of the Democratic Party. And I say, F the Democratic Party, man. Like, like don't let them dictate like what is right for us and what is wrong for us. Because we've let that happen already. And what happened in that process? Schools got more segregated. Black unemployment went up. Black home ownership has stayed stagnant from when it was in 68. So it's the same. It's only Arch. going up by like one-tenth of a percent. And of course, the uh, uh, not the wage gap, but the wealth gap, somehow immigrant groups, and I'm not against immigrants, I'm, I'm the proud son of two African immigrants, but immigrant groups who are not black have managed to increase their value in terms of wages and, and income and wealth, and black people still remain at the bottom. And that is a function of reparations. Just, you know, so what this brother said right here, um, it's not anybody's business right. what we do with the money once the check is cut. Right. That's our business to get our black people together to pull yeah. that money to help us out. Right. But, 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 but this attitude of like, well, we just cut them checks. They're just going to spend it on frivolous stuff. I'm going to spend it on a little frivolous stuff. Yeah, you know, I'm going to get a car. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm definitely going to get a car. I'm going to get some Jabos. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm going to get mine, but like, you know, that's that's really none of your business. We don't we don't uh, uh, get mad when... when, when it's called when, paternalism. Paternalism. Exactly. Right. And saviorism. Yeah. And, and colonialism. You know, and, and, and going to Africa... And, and prophetizing, you know, and whatnot. We'll build you a house, but you got to accept Jesus and yeah. not the Jesus that looks like us either. What, um, yeah. since, like you said, this is an old issue, and the, I don't, like, I remember Tupac saying it, like, imagine being poor and standing outside of somewhere and being hungry, and you know, it's a million people, it's a bunch of people in this room that can feed you, but they won't. Mm -hmm. So you being quietly, quiet about it and say, hey, I'm hungry. Can you feed me? And they still saying no. And after years and years, you get to a point to where I'm gonna just kick this door down and take it. And I think that's where I'm at. I, I'm what direct action can we take to force this? Because I'm I like I'm for, forget being nice. They haven't been nice to us in our history. So what direct action must be taken in order to get reparations? Yes, you are. 
That's a tough question there because <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of the opinion that white folks ain't gonna never give it up. So it might take something close to a direct combat. Ooh. You know, if you're going to take that kind of stance. But, uh, <laughs> the direct action that most black people can take at this moment is to withhold their vote in the presidential election Oof. if no issues are put on the table by the candidates mm. that will directly benefit black people specifically not something that not a kind of no kind of initiative program that says somebody else gets a piece if you get some too because by far many people in this country many of separate groups have benefited of programs mm -hmm. that black people protested died right. shed their blood for and didn't get so much as a thank you, you know. And that, and sadly, that is still happening today with many of the other so-called movements or uh, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. coming, going out. You know, they always put the black people in front and say, see, <laughs> we, want, we want civil rights and we want equality like these black people got, mm -hmm. you know. How come we can't have what they got when we don't even have what they talking about? Right. We supposed to have. Right. Because at some point, you got to come up against the white supremacists. That's right. And they likely going to deny you equal opportunity and first class citizenship in some way, shape, form, or fashion, any way they can. Mm -hmm. And to this brother's point, it's about living our power. Right, Montgomery boy, uh, bus boycott that leveraged white supremacy because he's like, we're not going to use your white supremacist system anymore. And then when Martin Luther King and SCLC did in Birmingham, it was called Plan C, C standing for confrontation of getting arrested every single day. And, and it was the white store owners in Birmingham that ended segregation before the government did. So when it comes to like direct action, we have to understand where we do have the power and live that power. Not uh, uh, think we have the power, but live our power. We're bus drivers, we're police officers, we're postal workers, we're teachers, you know? And, and basically a massive general strike like we, have, like we saw with Montgomery and, and, and Birmingham of just like, we're gonna shut it all down. That is how we, you know, got changes um, even in this country so far, uh, one of the biggest um, victories we've seen were the teachers in West Virginia, right? They got every single county to go out and strike with them, shut the schools down, made sure that the school lunch kids still had school lunch, made, uh, 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 made sure that the bus drivers and the janitors and the food servers were also included in getting their uh, wages taken care of, and that was a major victory. So uh, we have to collectively organize as black people and figure out where we have the power um, and so many things. White people getting their houses cleaned, if we just like, but that's where that mutual aid comes in. That's where cutting the check comes in so that like when we, we get those checks cut, we're gonna take care of each other when we do these general and massive strikes that shut down the entire white supremacist capitalist economy until it, it serves us, 
right? And as this brother was also saying, we need to send a real, loud, profound, and direct message to the Democratic Party that we are done being your pawns, we are done being your second or afterthoughts. You cannot win elections without us. And you've already seen people. Even when Bernie came here to uh, Des Moines, there's a black woman holding a sign, no reparations, no black yeah. vote. Guess what happened when, when Bernie went in front of uh, 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 Rev Al Sharpton? He endorsed reparations. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to make the same mistake twice. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah um, again, like I, I will repeat for us, we understand that reparation is a protracted struggle, meaning it's long, enduring, and exhausting. Uh, Emma Carper Brown, mm. he said, uh, claim no easy victories. Tell no lies, claim no easy victories, because sometimes we can jump out there and we have to understand the, like the 100-year plan. A lot of us as African people, we haven't understood the 100-year plan. Mm -hmm. When I say 100 years, I'm using 100 years symbolically to say something, a long, long, long-term plan. Ultimately, what we do today, we may not see the fruits of our labor. Yeah. But our posterity, our children, our yeah. grandchildren, grandchildren, etc., will see the fruits of our labor. Reparation is one of those type of concepts. But in, in honor, and I'm, I'm going to say this kind of humorously, but also making a, 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 a point whether it's profound or not, in honor of our, our dearly beloved brother who just recently passed, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, no, not him. But in Omaha, he did a lot of work, used to work in UNO. Uh, uh, had the beard, light-skinned brother, very, he was part of the Omaha one organization. He used to work with a Robert. I think I know. I, I can't think of it. Uh, 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 Stelly, Stelly, Stelly. In honor of brother Matthew Stelly, I remember one time he came to the joint and he was telling us the story about how America isn't as bad as, as America think it is. He was trying to get the point over to us that we can accomplish many things that we think we can. Oftentimes it is not as bad as you think think it is, and oftentimes we can take much, much more than we can. So he gave what he called the Ho Chi Minh example. Mm -hmm. He said America went over there with all that sophistication and went over there bombing, doing all these things that he said, and he was, you know, if you know Matthew, you understand what I'm saying when he say it, when I say this. Matthew said Ho Chi Minh had the spit gun. <laughs> he said they was dropping bombs, doing all this sophistication. He said Ho Chi Minh had the spit gun. Well, <laughs> but, 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 but what he was doing with the stick gun, he kept taking a step further. And, and he, when he said he was white, he would do all this. Before you know it, Ho Chi Minh, he gave the example, Ho Chi Minh was right up in his face with the spit gun. He, America had to submit. And that's how it is with reparation. Uh, a, a brother, Frederick Douglass, said, Power can seize nothing without a struggle, never have and never will. So the direct action that I think that we can do again as a people is something I keep saying over and over, and, and, I, and I would say this because this is one of those things I, I've come to believe in after all my years of study. I was looking for answers, and one of the answers I came to was the process of Africanization. When someone is putting, when, some, when people are constantly putting someone down, when the best thing that person can do is the others are constantly being put down upon is build oneself up. And so when you build yourself up through the process of Africanization, we, get a, we walk a certain way, we speak or talk a certain way, we think a certain way, we act a certain way. And that begins to give us power. Now with that power, we can be then, then begin to effect, uh, effect it change through galvanizing sisters and brothers. All you got to do is say, look, we're going left. And you know what make 
oftentimes we think white people are in conspiracy, even though they do, but oftentimes we think they're in conspiracy and they're really not. But what makes the scene oftentimes cons conspiratory is that they think alike. Uh, I, I, I experienced this in dealing with psychologists. They go to the same school. They'll come to you with the same old, according to so-and-so, he said this and he said, they give you that same old spiel. Right now you go to pretty much any psychologist anywhere around here, they will give you that same old spiel. They go to the same schools. They think the same way. They got the same universities. So, and, and, and you see this through the judicial system as well. They think the same way. See, so as African people, one of the best things we can do is empower ourselves through the process of Africanization. And that puts us in position to think from, a, from an economical, political, and social perspective to act as one. But right now, we can't move as one because we're too scatterbrained. So we, therefore, we have to bring. <laughs> there, there yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we think we're Americans in the abstract. See, we have to begin to see ourselves as a people. We're not just Americans in the abstract. So I hope that makes some sense. That's huge. Um, part of the reason why I said we should do mass incarceration, why mass incarceration is is at the top of my list, because I believe we have more of us within our prisons and jails that think like us. Than we have out here, and I think if we could, if 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 we could get them out, we got more power. We got more because you're not. Yes, there is some in there that you got to reteach, and everybody relearns at a certain point in their life. And I think we have more prepared in there than we do out here. And if we could get them out, that's that's the strength. Because I don't. Everybody's not gonna hop on a boat. But we need the ones that are already on the boat to be mm, out with us. Mm. That's real. I mean, El Haj Malik El Shabazz is a product of a free prison, free prisoner from mass incarceration, right? Malcolm X. He got out of prison and, and it was on. Um, so I, I, I tend to agree with that. I, I, and, and so it should be at the top of our list. And there are many things that should be. At, at the top of our list, because you're, you're, you're also talking about the reinstitution of our family structure, right? Too many of black men and black women snatched, you know, in that, in that destroying our, our family structure. I agree 100% that some of the most gangster black people in the United States of America are right now incarcerated. Um, there are more gangster than many of our black politicians, especially our local black politicians. Um, so it's not that I think that reparations is separate from uh, addressing mass incarceration. Again, I think that that is a part of, as this brother was saying, the Africanization, uh -huh. this mentality of my people are free. You know what I mean? Like this, like like rejecting this whole criminal injustice system, which doesn't make any sense and is arbitrary and capricious anyway. Right? <clears throat> we have multiple black men and women. In, in, in the pen for multiple years for smoking or selling marijuana, and Brock Turner, a white man who raped a woman, got three months. So, so, so part of that, Terrell, is rejecting the system altogether. There's a lot of people who say the system is rigged. The system is not working. That's a lie. The system is working exactly like it's supposed to, and it's upon us to expose it for that and reject it. So let's, you know, uh, uh, 
Curtis Blow and Lauren Hill, you know, if I rule the world, I free all my sons. Let's put that into action. But um, I know Brother Willie will agree with me on this. As we're freeing the people who shouldn't be incarcerated, we also have to incarcerate many of the black people who are incarcerating even the free people with their neoliberal centrist policies that are rooted in white supremacy, bootlicking and cheerleading for the Democratic Party, which is not helping black people as well. So I'm with you on that, brother. Like, let's get our people out and put the people who are pushing juvenile de detention centers, let's put them in prison and get our, our, our sisters and brothers. You know, Asada Shakur, Mumia, Abdul Jamal, like, like who, who is more woke than Mumia right now um, that's on the outside? You're, you're absolutely right. That's what that uh, show Oz was all about, was showing us like how these brothers and sisters think that, that are inside. They are very radicalized because they have seen the nadir of this white supremacist capitalist system that is that that has two or, or three goals for black people. They either don't know, James Baldwin said, uh, uh, the America has never figured out what to do with his freed black population, so they, there's that. They either wanna snatch us for free labor to uphold their white supremacist capitalism, or they just wanna execute us. This is who were locked up during the crack era. Mm -hmm. They should be released, or those who have been um, uh, wrongfully targeted in the communities due to uh, rampant uh, police aggression. Should they be released? Uh, people who got marijuana tickets, they should be released. Or people who have uh, young brothers or sisters who are half cocked and out of their mind and committed murders in the community, should they be released? So when you say uh, in mass incarceration, what do you really mean by that? All right. What I mean is... So, so I, I look at mass incarceration as a culmination of systematic oppression by America on our people. So when I look at it that way, I think, yes, individuals that were selling crack were put in a box and forced mm -hmm. to survive. So I'm going to sell crack. Was it right or wrong? It, 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 was, it, it was a symptom of the oppression that we were put in. As far as the murders, no. I mean, if you kill somebody, you should be in jail. I'm, I'm, I don't disagree with that. But I think there's a lot of people who sold weed, sold crack out of necessity because they, <clears throat> the options were limited and you got a family. And what you gonna do, sit on the couch and not do nothing or find a way for your family, right or wrong? I grew up in that. I, all my elders sold crack, almost all of them. Mm -hmm. And they all went to jail. And I understood why they were doing it. They when they talking to me, they saying, don't do this. I'm doing this because of that, because I, because I messed up in the past or I didn't have this opportunity. So, yes, if you, I, I believe all, mostly all black people should be free. Now, as far as the murderers and kill people, touch kids and do some outrageous stuff, stay in prison. But... <laughs> <laughs> even, even Mike... But you want Mike Jackson to be in prison right now? Mike Jackson, yes. <laughs> he don't get a pass for me. Not even for Thriller? Not even for Thriller? <laughs> I asked that question because you're exactly right. You know, the, uh, um, the punitive laws that, you know, white supremacy set up to target young mm -hmm. black people, you know, under the, uh, under the uh, uh, um, uh, zero tolerance laws and um, uh, the... the, 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 the 
94 crime bill. And, yeah, the 94 mm-hmm, crime bill. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm specifically trying to think about the, uh, the the difference between powder and crack cocaine. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the 100 to... Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 See, <clears throat> so when you're saying that we should put other policies on the table next to reparations, that definitely would be a good one, is getting that that uh, bias or that, that difference between powder and crack cocaine eliminated and then you know retro you know retrogressively or grandfather however you would say it all those people in to that change so that those people who, who were victimized by that could get out you know mm-hmm. and not only that uh you could also say even like the phenomenon that many people don't really talk about and probably a lot of people don't really see is that the reason why there could be a lot of, you know, decadence amongst many black women today as far as, you know, like the Instagram uh, thing with women showcasing their goods to try to get some money is from the policies also that was put forth by Clinton of uh, welfare to work, mm-hmm. you know, because I knew back then when that program came out that that was going to create a situation where, you know, considering the white folks, you know, they own and control the jobs, that they was going to deny a lot of people jobs and they would have to resort to certain kind of behaviors and things that, you know, uh, that are very unscrupulous or as many people would say and think and, and uh, they would have to go out here and commit these kind of acts, you know, such as, you know, robbing tricks like Cardi B was talking about not too long ago. You know, some of those behaviors and things are also a direct product of uh, policies that were put forward by a Democrat. <laughs> I think the you, you're right, and the in my eyes the the killings are also a a part of that. Also, oh, yeah. like it, yeah. it puts you in a situation to kill your brother, and I love your brother. I don't know how to rectify that though, as far as saying like uh, I don't, I don't think you I don't think the murders and stuff is, is that's that's a touchy topic and hard to touch. Yeah, that's, that, that's, some, yeah, that, that's that's true. So like when you're saying mass incarceration, yeah. you know a lot of a lot of brothers and sisters who are locked up are, you know, part of that, you know, that um, uh, that inability to actually settle differences non-emotionally and to actually stop that, you know, process, you know, from ever beginning by not actually trying to get over on somebody else just so you can eat, you know, just the, that that selfish mindset, yeah, you know, that. You know, it's a product of white supremacy. Most people don't know, you know, because, you know, you're taught to, you know, think for yourself, look out for yourself. You're mm-hmm. the only one that matters, you know. Right. It's all about you. So then from that, you know, a lot of behaviors come where you transgress on somebody else and that person don't like it. And mm-hmm. the only way they know how to solve that situation is... I, I mean, but real quick to that point, I mean, when we're talking about reparations, we also have to talk about physical and environmental conditions that black people have been subjected to in a concentrated and an intentional fashion, um, whether it be proximity to this uh, coal-fired power plant or lead poisoning that has been um, a legacy in not just Flint, Michigan, but Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Omaha, and whatnot, and some of the behavioral elements that come with being exposed to lead poisoning, you know what I'm saying, like intentionally, right? So that's part of reparations as well, because we know, you know, right now we're finally talking about climate change a lot more than we used to in, in the mainstream media and in general. 
black people, indigenous people, and Latinx people are hit first and worst by this climate crisis, and that is intentional based on the policies of the New Deal, redlining, as the brother said, um, originally forcing us or, or bifurcating our communities with arbitrary highways, like what is that, I-75, that, 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 that's doing that, that's doing that um, currently. Uh-oh, I got it. Um, I, you know, I-75 that, that, that like bifurcated our community. So there's also reparations that's owed from just a sure health perspective. Our lives have been cut short right here in North Omaha. You drive, through, how far is Dundee from here, brother? Less than three miles? The life expectancy increases by 20 years? By 20 years, three miles. Three miles. That's that. So, in, in other words, if you can emancipate yourself from North Omaha somehow, you add 20 more years to your life. Reparations are owed for that too. So it's not just slavery. In 2014, when the United Nations released the report saying that the United States owes Black people reparations, it wasn't just for slavery. It was also for a continuation of white supremacy, terrorism through policies and intentional um, um, efforts to keep black people as a permanent underclass. And one of these things, I was just with uh, Representative Ayanna Presley. I did a town hall with her in Boston just this weekend. And she said that one of the ways they try to keep us oppressed is by keeping us unhealthy. So we, we are owed reparations for that as well. If uh, dealing with the mass incarceration, I'm gonna quote my old friend, Mbasi Mbasa. Uh, mm. He's uh, at Tecumseh right now. So I'm going to quote in Boston. Boston used to tell us when we used to do programs, he used to say that, because sometimes somebody would do a program and someone would say, but that's not what we're talking about. But it was still dealing with black people. Hmm. And Boston used to say, that may seem true, but all subjects dealing with black people all go together. So it may seem separate as my brother here was saying before that we you know we can walk and chew bubble and we can do certain things. So through the process of Africanization, we recognize the, the beauty in what you're, you said. Mm. I mean, you look at Omar Wally, that would be Malcolm X as well. And he was a pimp at one time. You know, he was a straight gangster. Mm -hmm. See, so if we want to, and I don't, and I, and I say just personally, I mean, your view is your view and I respect that, but my mind is, especially as a, as a person that know firsthand what uh, prisoners alike, having been one for an awful long time, and I, I know the mindset of this mentality, and you're right, there are a lot of great thinkers in there. Actually, that's not really true. There's a handful of great thinkers in there. The majority of them really bathe and wallow around in their decadence, and their mind become more corrupt than what it was before, but through the process of Africanization, at different organizations that understand the transformation of, of African people moving into a mindset of Africanness, the best people to have coming out of prison are people who have been redeemed. Part of this is dealing with the concept of reparation too, because reparation, we're talking about a compensation. Mm. We're talking about making amendments, mm. expiation, mm. those type of things. Mm -hmm. So people who are in prison can be redeemed. Even the murderer can be redeemed. Mm. In fact, the brother I, I quoted uh, is in, in prison for just that. See, and, and in fact, some of the deepest brothers you will find in prison, and this is true, are the ones in there for murder. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. one of the things about the brothers that's incarcerated, especially, like I say, for the same reason you say no for the murders, is the same reason they turn their life around. Because murder is so deep, it's so, I mean, there is no second chance. 
I mean, even a man that rapes a woman, she, I mean, this, he, she still lives. And that, it's still bad. Even a man that touches a child, that's bad. But when you take someone's life, that's it. Yeah. See, so for, for the very same reason, you may say no to murderers, is the very same reason a lot of people incarcerated for murder feel the deepest, more sorrow, more regret. They begin to change their lives around. And these are usually the brothers in prison who are preparing other brothers and sisters to come out of prison correct. So you're right. There's a lot of mind power in there. There's a lot of uh, usefulness that we could actually tap into with, with sisters and brothers who are incarcerated who have a lot of time to study and do research. And we can also compensate them for that. So we need an inside-outside connection to tap it into that resource. Because some of the greatest minds, like Omar Wadi, one of the greatest thinkers throughout the the history has been Omar Wadi. He's been quoted more than anyone else. He said, tomorrow belongs to those who prepare for it today. Oh. Mm. Wake up, stand up, clean up. Mm. I mean, all the beautiful things. That, I mean, he, he's the most quoted brother in honor. Where was he? In prison. Where did he make his transformation? In prison. So your point is very valid, but I also want you to know it is not separate from the concept of reparation. Because when we create a system for self that has these hierarchies in it, Part of the hierarchy would be that at a certain point, sisters and brothers, let's say when they're about 16 or 18, working through organization with organization, begin to reach back into prison, making a direct connection to prisoners in there. And it ain't always got to be the deepest and sharpest brothers, because those that aren't the deepest and sharpest brothers and sisters, we want them making the transformation too, so they're not left out. I'm only using those as an example of saying the ones we primarily want out here, because they are ready to act. But I say this and I roll out. Even if you really get sharp sisters and brothers out of prison, one of the things that they really faced is the transformation, kind of what, what Willie Hamilton is all about over there, the reentry concept. Uh -huh. Man, a brother come out to all this, see all that. There's no connection. It's sort of like the process of Africanization itself. One of the reasons we want to Africanize ourselves, especially when we, when we separate and we say new sisters and brothers from the Af them Africans, not recognize that we're Africans too. As Omar Wally said, if the cat has kittens in the oven, it doesn't make them biscuits. Just because we were born here in the continent, it does not make us not Africans. We're still Africans. See, so when a sister or brother comes out of prison and they don't have anything but conscience to connect to, give them six to eight months, guess what? They'd be just like every other sister or brother around that's not that conscious or not doing nothing, or they got all that consciousness and can't do nothing with it. See, so, so, we, so when we prepare a place for them as they come out to be able to utilize those talents and not just wait till all of a sudden they come out and show up, we, we tap into before they get out of here. So that's what the whole thing that Willie's about, making that transformation, because I believe that there are, those are some of the most powerful minds because they have time to sit down, study things, look, and at the same time they have the heart and the determination because one of I say this, I, I really real, real roll out as I say it. One of the things that Omar Wiley said that I respected greatly when people were always trying to question him on his credentials because he was self-taught, like myself. And he said that my, my sincerity is my credentials. And that's one of the things that we primarily have for sisters and brothers coming out of incarceration who have taken the time to really better and work on themselves and increase their mind from an Afrocentric perspective. Them are strong sisters and brothers who are really committed and sincerely dedicated to what it is that they do. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't disagree with you about the like the murders, cause cause if it was up to me, I would give everybody a second chance, cause I think 
we we've all been dealt a bad hand and put in situations that made us make choices. I just don't know how you deal with it because of the emotional piece to it, and some people have opinions about people like just that. Not not my opinion. I will let them out if if they if they are at a, in a space mentally where you could tell that it's it's beyond them and they're in a better place. But also thinking about that when you were talking about candidates going up and saying, oh, I support this. Like, when I see them say, oh, I support legalization of marijuana. And my second, my thought and my next question is, so are you going to erase everybody record that was wrongfully? Yes. Are you going to erase those records and let those people out of jail? That yes. Guy? Look, like Ben and Jerry's, it doesn't get any whiter than Ben and Jerry's. They're from Vermont. They sell ice cream. They put out a video on 420, which is like the, you know, the, the marijuana yeah. holiday. Um, I celebrate it. Um, and, and they put out a video saying, like, not only do we have to make sure that recreational marijuana does not just benefit white people. This is Ben and Jerry's from Vermont, by the way. There's less black people in Vermont somehow than on the North Pole, Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and they also said, and we also have to expunge the records for low-level mar marijuana offenders who are currently in prison for that. So that's real. Um, my governor, Jay Inslee, in Washington State has uh, pardoned over 5,000 people convicted of marijuana because Washington State uh, recre uh, has recreational marijuana. Absolutely, Terrell. Like, I mean, it's BS, man. I, I mean, like, this is, this, is a, a, this is a drug. This is not even a drug. This is a plant. You know that has that has allowed some people, if you were white, to get extremely rich. It's trading on the stock market while people are Thank serving you. twenty years. Right, <laughs> right. So, 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 legalization. If, if if people are talking about legalization without talking about expunging records and pardoning records, because it's not just about freeing them. It's about expunging their records so they don't have to check any box, as this brother was saying, when they're trying to go get a job and, 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 and reacclimate themselves to society. They don't have to check a box that's going to potentially lead to recidivism when they don't get that job. Absolutely. Recre uh, uh, legalization is not just about you and I being able to smoke marijuana in our houses or have it in our cars. It's also about freeing people who have been snatched and their lives ruined for a plant that is making white people rich by destroying black families, uh, black bodies, and black opportunities. Absolutely. Speak true. Because to me, freeing people is, is, is another part of reparations. Like I said, it's not just about the money. It's about freeing the individuals that have been affected by this system. I think you can't give us reparations and we still got a disproportionate amount of our people still locked up. I think, like I said, they all work together in, in, in some type of way. So that's just. Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, this is. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, I just want to say that Harvey Weinstein still gets to vote. There are black people in jail for, for selling weed that don't get to vote. That's, that's, that's you know, so yeah. People be coming on, coming on this thing like crazy. Um, <laughs> I, knew it was, I knew it was going to be like this. Uh, I've sit back and I've enjoyed myself so much. You went quick. It so did. Much. It did. Just to see four powerful brothers up here having conversations and educating us about reparations. Thank you. It was a powerful thing. Thank you. It was a powerful thing. 
I applaud you guys, man. It just went. People was coming on. People was, was coming on. Coming. I couldn't. I couldn't even uh, read all the comments they were coming on talking about. But you really did resonate with a lot of people. I mean, Kenny Braswell came on. Uh, I saw my boy David Miller came on. Everybody was saying thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Appreciate it. What is the message that you guys want to leave tonight with our audience regarding rubber racing? I'll take it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take yes, it. brother. Yes. Uh, um, what I leave uh, is that if you're a black born in America and your descendants suffered under shadow slavery, or as far as you know, any kind of other system of white supremacy that um, other brothers and sisters have uh, suffered from in their particular countries from those particular white supremacists who afflicted upon them. Learn that history. Don't be afraid. Don't say, yeah, I want reparations, but don't know a damn thing about the sufferings your people went through and your ancestors went through for you to make that call. Go to your local bookstore, go to your library and learn why slavery happened how it happened, and why it is still maintained. That was uh, beautifully put. I'm going to try to keep it short here and just say that I believe in the process of the Africanization of self. When we restructure the African family to where we have these tiers in place to where we learn to Africanize ourselves, with these tiers in place, what my brother just said will play a part. When you go, you go get certain books, you go to certain organizations, there's certain things we must do to meet the criteria for each tier. And this way we begin to create an African mindset to where we begin to function as one with each other. And we get back to the basics of loving each other as a people. Because first reparation we have to give is reparations to ourselves. Because the reparations about compensation, is reparations about making amendments, is reparation is about uh, uh, what we call in ancient times, ancient Kemet, and Kemet being the ancient and original name for what we call Egypt today. This is when black people ruled. They had a concept called Sarujata. Sarujata meant to rescue and to restore and to build back that which lies in ruin. So as African people, we have to begin to give ourselves reparations first. And when we begin to create reparation within ourselves, we will have ourselves in a position to where we can not only just request we would demand reparations because, as uh, as Douglas said, power can seize nothing without a struggle. It never have. It never will. Always Power to the people, always. Um, I just want to read real quick from a pamphlet that um, I've been uh, uh, had the, uh, the honor of working with with white people on who are committed to uh, uh, climate um, change action through racial healing. And here's what, here's what our pamphlet says, and I'll make this available to you, Willie, so you can share it with the people. Racial healing in our society requires concrete expressions of reparations. Acknowledging the complexity of our different mixed intersecting racial identities, all members in our society are committed to making reparations real. For those who identify as white, this means the naming of the lives, lands, and cultures that can never be restored and the turning over of time, energy, money, and land. 
to those impacted by the brutal legacy of colonization and white supremacy, most notably indigenous people of this continent and black descendants of slaves. For those who identify as people of color or black and brown in our network, in our society, this includes continuing and strengthening the, the design and facilitation of reparations redistributive pathways. Reparations must be societal and personal. The possibility of any full-fledged reconciliation depends on full-fledged redistribution, and any sincere redress for unspeakable crimes against humanity requires action on a societal scale that individuals can never accomplish in isolation. Mm -hmm. While keeping this big picture imperative in view, we nevertheless, the nevertheless hope for the authentic one-to-one -one connections at the center of our reparations paradigm. Members of the society who engage in reparations do so without expectation of relationship. For white people, for white people in particular, to put conditions on the movement of resources and money perpetuates the race-based power dynamics that we are trying to dismantle. So Speak true. that's it. Speak true. Brother um, well, what I want to leave with, <laughs> y'all all said a lot. Uh, I just kind of repeat what they said. Let's uh, begin to start reteaching ourselves our our history, the real history, not what's been told in textbooks in our schools. Let's take some time to to really research ourselves and understand ourselves, and then we'll get to a better space, and then we'll be ready to act and really get what we deserve. I I, I agree a hundred percent with that. And as far as this coming up uh, election in 2020, mm -hmm. if you're in front of a, a a candidate and they don't got a real plan, I would tell you not to vote for them. At all levels of government? At all levels. Because if, if a candidate isn't talking about reparations and in mass incarceration, criminal justice reform, any of those, I, I really don't want to listen to you. And it, when you're talking about it, it has to be sincere and genuine, and I could tell. Like, you could tell usually yeah. if, if they're being sincere about it. And if those are not on the table for them, mm -hmm. or they kind of put them to the back door, then I, I, that's right. why should I vote for you? Real, real quick, real quick, brother. I just want to say, and that's why I do appreciate Liz Warren and Marianne Williamson, because they're talking about reparations, not just when they go to black churches in South Carolina. They're talking about reparations in Iowa. They're talking about reparations in New Hampshire, and they're talking about reparations on CNN. So that's the real test right there. If you're only going to come, there's a saying, right? Don't just talk about racism and white supremacy in black churches. Make sure that you're talking about racism and white supremacy in white churches, white synagogues, Muslim masjids, et cetera, et cetera. So I agree with you. That's another thing about authenticity. If you're not going to come to Iowa, which is right across the river, and talk about racial justice, and you're just going to wait till you go to South Carolina, you're not authentic, and there's a few candidates who are guilty of that right now. Real quick question. Would you support a black agenda? Yes. Absolutely. Cut the check. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jen. Uh, I want to thank you guys so much. Uh, I just I enjoy it so much. And uh, we will be posting this to our website and be uploading it to our channel and other areas of uh, uh, like Instagram, Facebook. It's not right. Grab it. All right. Hot one in the Peace old town tonight. Thank you all, all right, for tuning in. Okay.